athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. Mother's Day to all the wonderful mothers out there from all of us here at From the Press Box to Press Row. Welcome to another edition of the program. I am your host, Donald Ware. Big sports weekend. The NBA playoffs are hot and heavy, and at least most of the series are a lot better than what we saw in the first round, although the Cleveland-Atlanta series... Mm. And, you know, we, we, we hit you with a little Beyonce. You know, Beyonce in the Formation Tour was here in Raleigh on Tuesday. Big shots out, first of all, to uh, Beyonce's management. Uh, we had tickets, um, press credentials, tickets to, uh, to see, review the show. And it was an absolutely wonderful show. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm... I wouldn't call myself, at least before the show, a fan of Beyonce per se. I mean, definitely like, you know, her music, what she's done, what she's been able to accomplish. But after that show, one of the greatest shows I've ever seen, one of the greatest events I've ever been a part of, I am now a Beyonce fan. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, Want to get into a couple of things here on the program. Of course, NBA playoffs are hot and heavy right now. And, um, you know, Golden State going to be playing on Saturday. Uh, Steve Cur- uh, Stephen Curry doesn't look like he's going to play in the game, nor should he play. I mean, they're, they're up two games to none. Why risk it? It's a very similar scenario to what we saw in Houston when the – uh, Warriors, I guess, decided not to risk playing him when they didn't need him. And, and even when he did come back out, boy, he got, you know, the knee injuries. It was the ankle injury at first, and now it's the knee because he, he slipped on uh, a wet spot on the floor in that Houston series. And so um, no need to play him. You're still up two games to none, even if they lose. And, and I, I, you know, I think – Ultimately, they may lose one game in this series. I, matter of fact, I think they're going to go up 3-0. Then they may lose a game. But you know, you want to get them as healthy as possible, and you want to—I mean, you want to play for now, but you want to definitely look forward. And if you if you're up 2-0, if you're up 3-1, no need. Obviously, if you're up 3-0, it's no need to play him, and you want to look a little bit ahead when you're in that kind of position. So we'll talk some NBA playoffs, um, some really good series, obviously, that are going on. Uh, We're going to talk a lot about that today here on the program. The Kentucky Derby 
is going on on Saturday. Unlike last year when it was a big deal, when you had a potential triple crown winner, not necessarily that way this this year. I mean, you know, what can you say? I mean, the Kentucky Derby, it's one of the great American sports events. Not as much play this year, but still want to acknowledge the fact that it is, in fact, going on uh, on this Mother's Day weekend in Louisville on Saturday. Um, other things going on, we want to say congratulations to Javon Hargrave of South Carolina State, a third-round draft choice by the Pittsburgh Steelers last weekend in the NFL draft. Congratulations to Ryan Smith of North Carolina Central, fourth-round draft pick by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and then also to Merrick Hemingway of South Carolina State, sixth-round draft pick by the Los Angeles, now Los Angeles Rams. So congratulations to those three gentlemen. You heard from them a little bit last week. Of course, our interviews with them can be found on our website, BoxToRow.com, BoxToRow.com. The numbers in terms of HBCU players being drafted into the NFL definitely still down. Um, Hargrave becomes the first third-round draft pick since, of course, you go back to uh, Teron Armstead of Arkansas Pine Bluff, who was taken by the Saints back in 2013, just three years ago. And by the way, um, Armstead making his presence felt he was a Pro Bowl alternate. Um, And so this is a young man that has gotten it done. Um, You know, the numbers are still down. I mean, we, you know, it used to be a time when you had a bunch of players from HBCUs that were being taken. Uh, The numbers have really, really dwindled. You know, we've had uh, sparse, uh, I think, the last first-round pick would have been Dominique Rogers-Cromarty um, back in, I think that was 08. Um, the year before, you know, Justin Durant was a second-round pick. Um, but, boy, the numbers are definitely down. You, you see a lot of free agent signings, and as a matter of fact, there have been some free agent signings. You can log on again to our website at BoxToRow.com. BoxToRow.com as we have an updated free agent signing list. And, you know, big shots out, first of all, to Luke Williams, editor of the Black College Sports page, who really is on top of all of the uh, draft uh, draftees and free agent uh, personnel, especially when it comes to HBCU football, because um, in, 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 in talking with him, um, when you go back to the opening day roster, the opening day rosters of the 2015 season, of the 36 players, uh, HBCU players that were on opening day rosters, 15 of those players, or about 42 percent, were not drafted. So my point is that the league uh, tends not to draft uh, players, and in in this specific instance, players from HBCUs but tend to look at them in a free agent capacity, and 42% of them made those teams. And if you look at uh, those numbers within the last five drafts, only six of those players, meaning the 36 players on NFL roster, opening day rosters in 2015, were drafted while eight signed as free agents. So um, the NFL clubs looking 
more at HBCUs from an, a, uh, a free agency standpoint. And I think one of the biggest misses we've seen in the last, um, you know, six to eight years was Ryan Davis. Ryan Davis, of course, formerly of Bethune-Cookman, who was not drafted, ultimately signed a free agent deal um, with Jackson uh, with uh, with Jacksonville and is now stuck. As a matter of fact, found some minutes as a starter. I mean, we can look at a number of different guys. You can look at a, you know, I say the last, I said the last six to eight years, and within that last six to eight years, probably the big, I, I would say the biggest right now guy that was not signed uh, or was not drafted, but was signed as a free agent, Chris Baker of the Redskins. I mean, Chris Baker has really been putting in some work to the point that, what, a couple of years ago he signed a one-year deal and now he's got a a long-term deal with the Redskins and has really put in some work. Um, So that's a guy, of course, out of Hampton. So that's, you know, those two guys really come to mind as guys that were not drafted but ultimately have put in some really good work in the National Football League. So, again, congratulations, Hargrave, Smith, Hemingway, the only HBCU players to be drafted in the NFL draft. Now, you know, I'm still excited. I'm still, boy, I'm still thinking about the concert or the event, the performance that Beyonce gave here in Raleigh on Tuesday. Of course, at Carter-Finley Stadium, it was a a phenomenal, phenomenal performance. I mean, listen, you know, there was a threat of rain and as a matter of fact, about midway through her performance, it uh, it was a lightning delay, so that was delayed for about an hour, and then she came back. I mean, the stadium was near capacity. It was, you know, I've I've listen, I've I've, I've I saw Michael Jackson when he came to to uh, Washington D.C.'s RFK Stadium in 1984. I was nine years old at the time. I don't remember a whole lot um, about that. You know, I was in Miami covering. Game seven of the NBA Finals between the Heat and San Antonio. I was um, at the Super Bowl in 2009 covering uh, in Tampa, covering that matchup uh, between the Steelers and the Cardinals. And this performance by Beyonce is one of those that, you know, you remember for a lifetime. Now, you know, there's a lot going on here in North Carolina, Uh, you know, I mean, we don't get, particularly here in Raleigh, some of the real, real superstars, like super, superstars to come here. If you come to the state of North Carolina typically to perform, you're uh, most likely going to go to Charlotte. I mean, in the last 25 years, I guess, U2 has come through, the Rolling Stones, uh, Paul McCartney. Those are some of the bigger names that have come through Raleigh. And as a matter of fact, all played at Carter-Finley Stadium. So you're talking about a venue that holds in excess of 57,000 people. And I'll tell you what, that place was filled to capacity. Big shots out, as a matter of fact, to uh, Live Nation and to uh, uh, Beyonce's management company because we, you know, for covering the event, and, 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 and boy, I feel so fortunate, didn't have to pay a dime for the tickets. Um, we're on the floor in the 14th row so we're about 14 rows back and then there's also like a like almost if you if you think about a runway uh, type of situation there's a so there's the main stage and then there's the runway uh, type of stage that leads to another stage that sort of is behind us so 
you know, when we're 14 rows back on the main stage, and then when she comes down that runway stage, if you will, you're, I mean, you're almost right there. I mean, boy, I'm quote-unquote covering this event, but uh, had an absolute blast at the concert. Still to come here on From the Press Box to Press Row NBA Playoff Talk. Up next, former NBA player and coach, now the new head men's basketball coach at Clark Atlanta, Daryl Walker. With Mother's Day approaching fast, it's time to give that special lady in your life not just a card, but a card she will cherish for the rest of her life. Kofi cards are the way to tell that special lady you care. These beautiful one-of-a-kind cards are designed by Brother Tyus Kofi, who has received international acclaim and has been featured on over 300 very popular greeting cards. And not just for Mother's Day, Kofi cards can be purchased for any occasion, including birthdays, baby showers, and well wishes. Buy them in bulk today. Purchase Kofi cards online at www.kofi-cards.com. That's www.kofi-cards.com. K-O-F-I-K-A-R-D-S.com. Produced by the community for the community. Kofi cards, empowering our community one card at a time. Kofi cards are a product of Global Emerging Market Exchange. GMX, a redistribution company. A Budweiser. A burger and Thomas Ray. When you wake up in a different city every day, there's a comfort in being able to count on something familiar. For me, that's a Budweiser and a burger. A Bud and a burger remind me who I am and to keep doing my thing. Nothing fancy, nothing forced, no backstage pass required. That's a Budweiser and a burger. Cheers. This Bud's for you. Enjoy responsibly. Budweiser beer and Hazard Vulture St. Louis, Missouri. From the Press Box to Press Row and BoxToRow.com, your HBCU sports leader. From the press box to press row, if you want to join us on the conversation, hit us up via Twitter at box to row b o x t o r o w or on Facebook b o x the number two r o w. Our first guest today here on the program, as a matter of fact, a former NBA coach, former WNBA coach, as a matter of fact, as well, a former player, a 1993 NBA champion with the Chicago Bulls and a couple of weeks ago he was introduced as the new head men's basketball coach at Clark Atlanta Daryl Walker joins us here on from the press box to press row coach Walker congratulations and welcome to the program thanks for having me absolutely the again a couple of weeks ago uh, you were introduced as a new head coach, of course, at Clark Atlanta. An exciting time for you, an exciting time uh, in Atlanta. How, what led you to take the position at Clark Atlanta? Well, I've been wanting to get into college coaching for a while, uh, even though my former college coach, Eddie Sutton, thought I was crazy. Uh, <laughs> I, I, wanted to, I wanted to get into college coaching. I thought that uh, I would never get a chance to be a head coach again in the NBA. I thought college would be a great opportunity, so I – I tried a lot of other schools, sent my resume in. You know, they all said that uh, your resume is great and all that stuff, but, you know, you've never coached in college. You've never recruited. 
so you know, I had to, I had to deal with that, which to a certain extent I thought was was insulting because at the end of the day, if you're going to be a college coach, number one, we understand you got to be able to recruit, and uh, I knew I was going to be able to recruit because of all the contacts I've had all over the country. And and number and number two, the second thing is you got to make sure your guys go to class, your guys graduate, and you don't do anything to break the NCAA rules. It's not like it's chemistry, being a college coach. But uh, that's what I was told. But I, I kept knocking on doors, and finally Clark Atlanta let me in. No, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, because that was when I'm when I hear you say that, I'm thinking, well, what makes you know what makes Daryl Walker different from any other coach that this has happened to that you know had had been. Uh, had the coaching experience because not only were you a head coach, you were an assistant coach uh, in the NBA. What makes you different from some of the other coaches that had no college experience that got college jobs? You know, I don't know. You have to you have to talk to uh, you know. I don't I don't I don't know. But all I know is that Leon Dawson uh, thought I could really be an asset to the school. Forget the coaching part. He thought I could be an asset to the school for us. Help fundraising. Help bring some uh, some notoriety to the school and put the school on the map a little bit. Sure. How have you been received by the Clark Atlanta community and, and maybe to some extent the Atlanta community at large, which, of course, uh, the Hawks are there and have some, some great familiarity with you? No, it's been, it's been all positive, uh, even from the student body. Uh, just where I go, certain people come up to me and say, man, it's just unbelievable that you took this job. I'm going to start coming and watch the Clark Atlanta play. Uh, Clark Atlanta used to be a very good, uh, have a very good basketball team years ago, and uh, as far as the HBCU and Division Two, and they had just kind of fallen off the last uh, a lot of years. They've fallen off, and hopefully, we're trying to build something and get it back. Yeah, what are some of the things you do when you first come in? What, what are as you've um, kind of looked at the program, and and to your point, yeah, I mean, you can go back. I'm thinking five years ago. I mean, this, you know, this was a 20 win. Um, uh, program. It was a program that was in the NCAAs. As you've seen it, as you've been able to evaluate it, what are some of the things that need fixing? What are some of the first things that you do? Well, I think you got to. You, first of all, you got to you got to bridge the gap between uh, the alumni uh, and the school. You got to get the alumni back on board for supporting the athletic department, and you do that by winning basketball games. Obviously, you know that, but. You have to evaluate the talent that's there, and obviously you got to get better talent. That's the voice of Daryl Walker. He is the new head men's basketball coach at Clark Atlanta. He joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. And, of course, Coach Walker, I want to talk about your uh, NBA career. Even before that, what did it mean to you? You were an All-American at the uh, University of Arkansas and then, of course, went on to be a, a solid NBA player, first-round draft pick, uh, by the New York Knicks, but what did it mean to you in 2012 to go back to Arkansas and get your degree? Well, it, it, had, it had been a struggle. I knew that I wanted to get into uh, to college coaching. I mean, I, mean, I think I remember 1997, maybe it had been 2000, the University of Arkansas Little Rock job was open, and they interviewed me even though I didn't have my degree, and I told them I didn't want to interview because I didn't have my degree. And they said, no, 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 we can handle this. We can we can work past that. And Sidney Moncrief wound up getting the job. And I knew then that I had to go back and get my degree. So I started taking classes online, Phoenix Online. Then I went to uh, finally the University of Arkansas, and, they, and the University of Arkansas was happy that I was trying to get my degree. They paid for me to finish my school, and I finally got it done. Oh, man. 
Man, that is awesome, and especially that they paid for you to. Uh, yeah, it was yeah. awesome that they that, that they paid for it, and I uh, I graduated, and Coach Sutton walked me across the stage at the University of Arkansas at Barnhill Arena, where we used to we used to play, and it was it was it was a big event. It was great. Yeah, what do you remember about those playing days, the early '80s at Arkansas? Well, we played in Barnhill Arena, which was really a a tough place to play, seated about 9,500. I mean, Coach had come there in the, in the early 70s and, and built that program with the triplets, Moncrief, Brewer, and Delph, and then with myself and Scott Hayson, Joe Klein, U.S. Reed, Alvin Robinson, built the program again and before he left to go to Kentucky. And it was a very, very hard place to play. And to this day, a lot of fans prefer Barnhill Arena over Bud Walton Arena. What do you remember most about that rookie year, uh, with the Knicks' 83-84 season where you were an all-rookie uh, selection? Well, you know, I played with a Hall of Famer in, the, in Bernard King, played for Hubie Brown, now it's a Hall of Famer, and uh, playing in Madison Square Garden, which is one, which is the greatest place in the world to play if, you, if you're playing basketball professional, on the professional level. Uh, I remember taking Boston uh, to seven games in the semifinals, and uh, it was it was a great year. Yeah, and then of course you now you know I'm a I'm a bullet slash uh, Wizards fan. You moved on to my franchise, and um, what do you remember most about those days in Washington, where you ultimately went on to be an assistant coach and a head coach? Well, it was uh, you know in the beginning it was tough, and you know one year we made the we made the playoffs with myself, Jeff Malone, Moses Malone, and of course. Uh, Bernard King, the latter two, Moses and Bernard being Hall of Famers, and uh, was able to make the playoffs and push Detroit into, into a five-game series and, and uh, almost beat those guys. Uh, just being back playing for West Unseal was, was really great. Uh, being in that D.C. area was uh, unbelievable. Playing at the, the, the Cap Center was, uh, you know, could be a pretty loud place when we got people up in there. So it was, it was good. We weren't the most talented team, but nobody wanted to face us because we, we played awfully hard. Yeah, no question about it. That the voice of former NBA player and coach Daryl Walker now, the new head men's basketball coach at Clark Atlanta. He joins us here on the program. And, of course, you know, guys play, and ultimately you want to be able to win that championship. You were, in fact, able to do that in 1993 with the Chicago Bulls. What about that team and, and finally Coach Walker being able to win that NBA championship, your last, uh, I believe your last year in the league. Yeah, it was my last year. It was an interesting year because I had got cut by Detroit. And get a phone call from Jerry Krause about a 10-day contract. Of course, I took it and played well enough to stick around for another 10-day and wind up um, staying on the team. And, and, and uh, that was a three-peat team. And uh, it was like traveling around, being a rolling stone. Uh, people up all the time of the night waiting for us to pull into the hotel. Uh, you know, having a bonding friendship with, with 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 MJ and watching him perform every night and then winning the NBA championship that was a great feeling. Can I ask you you were you were an assistant coach um at the time of the um that uh that 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 Chicago Bulls team 95-96 that uh won the 72 games of course you have Golden State winning the 73 games um this year. How do you compare those two teams? Uh, how do you compare those two teams? Uh, they're they're they both similar. They both they both moved the ball around. One moved it around in the in, in the form of the triangle, and uh, 
Golden State just moves it around, period. Everybody touches the ball. Everybody shares the basketball. Both of them are really, really uh, good basketball teams with good coaches and obviously with, with, with good basketball players. And uh, obviously Golden State is a tremendous team and obviously Chicago is a tremendous team. Both of them, both of them have set the records. Two good teams for sure. Yeah, is it – I mean, it, almost – is there – would you give one an advantage over the other? Well, I, I think I, I think it would be very hard to to uh, uh, to go against uh, Michael and Scotty. You talk about two guys that are in the top fifty, uh, two top fifty players of all time. So I think it'd be hard to go against those two. But I'm sure Golden State would give them a, give them a heck of a series. Wrapping it up with Daryl Walker, who joins us here on from the press box to press row, Coach Walker. We appreciate the time. Lastly. Uh, you've had a myriad of coaching experiences, as I mentioned, as a head coach, um, as an assistant in the CBA, uh, WNBA, uh, et cetera. How do those some of those experiences now translate to your first head coaching job in college now at Clark Atlanta? Well, it's it's uh, it's it's still basketball, and just because it's college doesn't mean it's not basketball. It's still basketball. I still get to teach. I still get to pass on all the knowledge that I have learned from all the great coaches and, and great players that I've been around, Hall of Fame players and Hall of Fame coaches, Chuck Daly, Field Jackson. So I've been around a lot of good basketball coaches. So I'll just pass that knowledge on. And at the end of the day, you can do all the basketball in the world, but at the end of the day, you got to have players. Simple as that. <laughs> yeah. No players. I don't care how good a coach you are. It ain't going to happen. you got to have some players. A couple of weeks ago, he was introduced as the new head men's basketball coach at Clark Atlanta, a former NBA player and coach, a 1993 world champion with the Chicago Bulls. Daryl Walker joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Coach Walker, we appreciate the time. Good luck to you and the Panthers. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Daryl Walker looking to make the transition from the NBA to college. As a matter of fact, his last – uh, coaching gig, if you will, was with the Knicks in uh, the 2013-2014 season. So um, he would have been away for a, a couple of years and making the transition now to college at Clark Atlanta. Your thoughts on anything that Daryl Walker had to say, you can email us here at the program, hbcu at com, or hit us up via Twitter, box. T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Still to come here on From the Press Box to Press Row NBA Playoff Talk. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. That the voice of Ronda Rousey. It was something that I specifically asked for, not just because I wanted to fight for the Brazilian people, also that I really can't stand this chick, and I would rather beat her in her home country on her own turf so that she knew that she lost with every single possible advantage she could have. That's the voice of Michael Strahan talking with us about his college playing days at Texas Southern. You know, a lot of guys were probably out there partying and in some cases chasing behind the girls. I was working out because I didn't see Texas Southern as being like my stop. That was part of my journey until where I wanted to go. Kevin Hart joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Room. Now, are you going to return to New Orleans for the NBA Celebrity Game to defend your MVP crown? 
Of course I am, man. I'm trying to three-peat. Right now, you've got a two-time celebrity all-star game MVP. If I can get a three, a three-peat, I'm retiring from the game of basketball. I would have done what no man can do. Adrian Peterson. We're strong enough. He built us to be strong enough to endure that. That's powerful. It is. Like, that's powerful. That's how easy to put things in perspective and know that, hey, you know, tough times don't come. But if you trust in God, believe in God, he's going to get you through it. Mike Krzyzewski or Coach K, you know, there was an article that came out with the headline stating NBA needs to pull stars from USA Basketball, which is showcasing only Duke's coach. To me, it's absurd because before USA Basketball, Coach K was on the map and winning national championships. However, how do you respond to that? Well, I don't think you have to respond to it because something that comes way out of left field, it's apparent that we don't need USA Basketball to help our program. I've won three national championships before being the USA coach and went to numerous Final Fours and had number one recruiting classes. I think the response from everybody has been, you know, come on. At the voice, of course, of T.I. and some hard times down in the ATL, though, T.I. Yeah, and that is understood. It wouldn't be the first. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't be the first, nor the worst. No, nah, no question. I'm, I'm still I'm still down with the skins, man. What can I say? They're they're not doing too well right now. Well, like... <laughs> you know what I mean? We got to... Hey, 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 look, man. We got we to gotta hold it down so we can, so we can get it right again. <laughs> We're joined by Serena Williams. You were in Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue a couple of years ago. You feel like you're a sex symbol. <laughs> I'm just Serena and that's all I can be. And Whatever people think is I don't know. I guess I'm, I'm all, I feel honored that they might feel that way. Though. Maybe the greatest football player to ever play, Jim Brown. Muhammad Ali was a principal person in the country at the time, and he stood up and said that he was not going to the service because it was against his religion. Mm-hmm. All, all the top black athletes together, along with Carl Stoke, the first black mayor of a major city. So I'm glad you brought that particular incident up. Snoop Dogg is on the mic. Pay attention. Oh, man, thank you for having me, play in a real way. I mean, I'm so honored. Snoop View Football League has done so many wonders for myself, and not only me, but the kids and the volunteers and the parents and the people that have been associated with it. We got over 200 kids that have graduated from high school. We have over 50 kids that have grown in Division One. The face of women's soccer in the U.S. is Alex Morgan. Phenomenal moment. The semifinal game against Canada where you scored in the extra time. Everyone's thinking, obviously, going to get to that. And, you know, it kind of felt great. Jim Caldwell in his first season as the head coach of the Detroit Lions. If a coach is named a coach in waiting, the next year he becomes that head coach. He goes 14 and 2, his team goes to the Super Bowl. The next year he goes 10 and 6, his uh, team goes to the playoffs. And then because of a 2 and 14 record, but part of that record is because certainly one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time misses the entire season. After the end of that season, the coach is fired. Is that fair to that coach? <laughs> well, you know, in this business it is. <laughs> because um, that's the thing that I think most people that are in it and understand it. It's what have you done for me lately. At that particular year, we didn't win enough games. Plain and simple. He's the one and only Darius Rucker. I love sports. I love all sports. I watch them all. I'm into the World Cup right now like everybody else is, but if to me, there's two times a year, the football season and waiting for football season. And right now, I'm waiting for football season. I love it. Oklahoma City Thunder forward Kevin Durant. What about the success that you've had, your maturing as an NBA player, as one of the young uh, superstars in the league? 
Oh, yeah, well, I'm just, you know, trying to get better every single day. We've been through a lot as a team, and I enjoy playing with a great group of guys. You know, hopefully we get to reach our goal one day. From the Press Box to Press Row is the sports talk show that is the voice and the talk of HBCU sports with a flair for pro sports talk and entertainment. Check the show out online at www.boxtorow.com. That's from the Press Box to Press Row, real, relevant radio. The following is a message from the Bud Light Party. Pride. Bravery. Patriotism. Eagles. Think we're talking about America? Think again. We're talking about Mexico and America. This Cinco de Mayo, stock up on Bud Light and celebrate all the good stuff we have in common. This message approved by the Bud Light Party. Raise one to right now. Enjoy responsibly. Bud Light Beer, AB, St. Louis, Missouri. When I was young, me and my mama had beef, 17 years old, kicked out on the streets. Though back at the time, I never thought I'd see a face. Ain't a woman alive that could take my mama's place. Happy Mother's Day to all the wonderful mothers out there. And we say rest in peace to Afeni Shakur, the mother of Tupac, who passed away on Monday at the age of 69. Switching gears here on From the Press Box to Press Row. And as promised, we want to talk some NBA playoffs because we, you know, we got a lot of really good series going on right now. Unlike maybe the first round, although we had a couple of game sevens in the first round, you had the Hornets taking the heat to the brink, and uh, now the heat in a real tussle with the Raptors as the series is tied one game apiece with the Raptors. And, and the Raptors, I mean, they haven't played well. You know, they, they haven't, I mean, they had to, you know, they had, to, they escaped Indiana in another seven game series. And it's interesting the two uh, seven game series in round one, the two teams are playing each other. Boy, the Raptors escaped Indiana just barely. And so you have the series now tied at one game apiece because of. Toronto's 96-92 victory on Thursday at home in overtime against the Heat. And, <laughs> you know, both of these teams playing in seven-game series in round one and then both of these, uh, the first two games of this series with the two teams, of course, playing against each other tied. But not even that, both of the games have gone into overtime. And you have a Toronto team that has really struggled. I mean, they struggled mightily with Indiana in that series. And that series could have really gone to Indiana. And I thought it, you know, I had even thought Indiana may win that series. I'm not sold on Toronto, although give them credit. Finally, they are able to get out of the first round. But when you're two main players are struggling and Kyle Lowry and DeRozan I mean these guys are struggling mightily I mean when you look at the numbers from game two they were a combined 16 of 46 from the field 16 of 46 from the field yet they found a way to eke it out and one I mean you know you got a guy like Carroll, who comes over from Atlanta and has that exp- that playoff experience, and he had it 
course, on last year, and he's kind of giving them that, the 21 points in the game. You have, you know, some other contributions as well. Um, But now Miami did its job. What Miami wanted to do was at least to get one game, and they were able to do that. They were able to get the one game. So now we go to Miami on Saturday for game three, and I think playing in Miami is definitely going to make a difference. I think, um, you know, the Heat – and the thing about the Heat, I mean, you're going to have constants like Dwayne Wade, you know, you know, uh, Luau Deng I think has been pretty consistent throughout not only this series, but he's, he was very consistent in the Charlotte series. As a matter of fact, you know, I thought and had a chance to be in Charlotte – Last Friday, that um, Lou Aldenga, you know, Dwayne Wade hit those big three pointers. He had the turnaround jump shot as the shot clock was winding down from the left elbow. He had a big block shot down the stretch. But I thought Lou Aldenga's consistency throughout that series is what helped. And in that game, also, game six in Charlotte is what really carried. Miami and helped Miami to win, not taking anything away from Dwayne Wade and what he was able to do down the stretch. But also, within these last three or four games or so, Dragic is starting to come alive for the Heat. I mean, you look at his numbers and he's starting to not only facilitate the ball, he seemed to be earlier in the series against Charlotte a little bit self-checked to some degree. But, boy, he's creating shots. He's knocking down jump shots. He's distributing the basketball. Um, I think when you look at game three, I think that um, it's going to depend on a couple of things. Number one, I mean, as bad as DeRozan and Lowry have played in in, in mostly all of these games, they've played nine games to this point in these playoffs, and they haven't – I mean – they haven't had good games. I mean, you you can you, you know you'd have to you'd be hard pressed to remember a good game. They've had more bad games than good. But Toronto showed that they could weather the storm when their two star players shot a combined sixteen of forty six from the field. And so, you know, I just don't know that they're going to be they 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 survived it, and they had gotten enough of a lead and. You know, Lowry, at least in the first half, was was decent, much better than he was in the second half. But they're not going to be able to surrender a lead like they did on Thursday in Miami and think that they're going to win this series. I think, you know, the Heat definitely going to need a little bit more from Joe Johnson. It, it was interesting and during the regular season and down the stretch. I mean, this guy was coming to play and – you know, hasn't done a whole lot in the playoffs. I mean, if you're taking 22 shots, well, you got to be making more than eight of the 22 shots. And by the way, he was 0 of 6 from three-point range. So, you know, as long as Drogic continues to play well, um, you know Wade is going to give you what he has. And I really like Wade's comments after game six in Charlotte. I mean, it. he's like, I mean, you know, the regular season is good and all that. But what's, you know, when it gets to playoff time, that's when. That's when I come to play, for real. And, I mean, he has done that throughout the course, of I think, of these playoffs 
as well. So if you get Dwayne Wade going against 7 of 17, I mean, he wasn't, you know, he could have been better, certainly. And I think if he was better, maybe Miami wins that game. But, you know, give Toronto credit. They were able to eke it out in overtime, but it's not going to be easy as now we move to Miami for game three on Saturday. Speaking of the Miami Heat, and boy, they could use some help from Chris Bosh, who has now, uh, as of Wednesday, was ruled out for the remainder of the playoffs. And he hasn't played since February 9th. He made his 11th All-Star game and was actually set to participate in the three-point contest, uh, was ruled out of the All-Star weekend activities because of a calf strain. Um, and that was at that time, and now the Heat have not disclosed why Chris Bosh is out. Um, but, I mean, he obviously really wants to play. And um, back in March, he, he made it known that, uh, I guess, essentially the blood clot and, that he had had was totally gone. And this was, I mean, I think this year's wasn't as serious as had what had happened last year when it moved from his calf all the way to his, his, uh, his, his stomach rib area which was extremely serious. And so, um, you know, I, the, obviously the Miami Heat are doing the right thing here. I mean, yeah, would they love to have him on the floor? Of course. I mean, I think with Bosch there, this is, uh, I mean, it, this isn't even a, a struggle, I think. I mean, I think that they take care of Toronto. But Miami definitely has to be cautious. I mean, they, they don't want anything on their hands of something happening to Chris Bosh. I know he wants to play, but I think they're definitely doing the right thing here. Um, uh, unfortunately for the entire situation. And, you know, you have to kind of ask yourself, okay, so you go back last year, he doesn't play because of this blood clot. Um, this year, um you know, you have a different scenario. You have to wonder if Chris Bosh is, I mean, will he play basketball? He's 32 years old. You know, um, you know, if I'm the Heat, what do I do? I mean, you know, what happens now? And, and you know, so it's just so many different dynamics here. I feel so bad uh, for Bosh because, you know, I mean, I know he wants to play, um, but the fact of the matter is I think the Heat is doing the right thing by not playing him because if something were to happen, uh, then what? Yeah, we want to make that push. We want to make that push. We get a player like Chris Bosh, an outstanding player, so versatile. You know, we we, we are going to make it now, and we're going to meet Cleveland in the Eastern Conference Finals. We're going to, you know, show LeBron we can try to get this thing done without him. But, nah, you don't want to take that kind of chance and certainly the Heat doing the right thing. The Golden State and Portland series. The Warriors lead that series two games to none. Game three going to be played Saturday in Portland. And speaking of the Golden State, the Warriors, the golden child of the uh, NBA. I mean, how do you go from uh, playing your last game on Tuesday and then not playing another game until Saturday, which, by the way, that game going to be uh, on ABC Nonetheless, um, if I'm Golden State and it, it you know looks like Steph Curry is not going to play, I mean, why would you play him with that knee? You want to rest it as much as you can, and 
certainly look, I mean, you want to get your business handled, but not at the expense of further aggravating that knee. Because remember, Curry in the Houston series came off the injury, off the ankle injury, and then slips on a wet spot and injures his knee. So, you know, they mentioned he'd be out two to four weeks. We're at the two-week mark now. Um, you know, don't play him. If, if, if Portland wins this game on Saturday, then, you know, you, you probably do at that point, uh, I think. But, um, listen, Golden State uh, definitely can get past Portland, I think. And, and give Portland credit. I mean, they've come to play a young team, um, but they certainly can get past Portland without Steph Curry and and you got other guys that have really stepped up I mean Draymond Green has been fabulous I think you take Draymond Green off this team more than you take Curry off and then you have a a serious problem because uh, Green I mean he does so many different things he can handle the ball he rebounds he brings toughness he's a great distributor of the basketball Um, I really like Livingston I mean I you know obviously Livingston and and Curry's games are totally different but the thing I like about Livingston he's more of a true point guard obviously his minutes have gone way up and listen I mean he's gotten you know he's gotten the job done he's done a really good job he creates a lot of matchup problems because he's a bigger point guard he creates a lot of matchup problems and is creating those problems against Portland so you know you 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 know, Steph doesn't need to come back. You know, even if it's if if you now if you lose this game again, it becomes a different scenario. You know, you go up three one. I think you you rest uh, Curry, and then you look forward to that next series, which I think that uh, ultimately I, I believe that OKC will win this series against San Antonio in seven games. I think it goes seven games. Uh, it's going to be a, a, a war. And ultimately, I think OKC wins that series in seven. More uh, from the press box to press row on the other side. When I was sick as a little kid, to keep me happy, there's no limit to the things you did. And all my childhood memories are full of all the sweet things you did for me. And even though I act crazy, I gotta thank the Lord that you made me. There are no words that can express how I feel. You never kept a secret, always stayed real. And I appreciate how you raised me. And all the extra love that you gave me. I wish I could take the pain away. If you can make it through the night, there's a brighter day. Everything will be alright if you hold on. It's a struggle every day, gotta roll on. There's no way I could pay you back. Did you know that Bojangles Master Biscuit Makers go through a 48-step baking process for every batch of biscuits? And did you know that they make those biscuits every 20 minutes all day long? It may seem like a lot of work for fresh, delicious biscuits, but you see, when it comes to biscuits, there's the easy way and there's the made-from-scratch way. We think you'll agree that the made-from-scratch way just tastes better. Head to Bojangles for a tender, perfectly seasoned Cajun filet biscuit. Bojangles, it's bow time. BoxToRow.com is the website for all of your HBCU sports needs. From the game of the week feature to interviews. 
Sports. For the latest news in the world of HBCU sports, BoxToRow.com has you covered. Ooh. Missed a week of From the Press Box to Press Row? BoxToRow.com has all the archive shows. Don't forget to check out the All-American teams and weekly media coaches polls. From the Press Box to Press Row. And BoxToRow.com, your HBCU sports leader. It's Donald Ware from the Press Box to Press Row. Welcome back to From the Press Box to Press Row. Been talking some NBA here on the program. Also, earlier in the program, we were joined by Clark Atlanta, new head men's basketball coach, Daryl Walker, formerly. 1993 NBA champion and a former NBA player, obviously a player and coach. And in speaking about the NBA, and I know Kevin Durant is in the midst of a tough Western Conference semifinal with, of course, San Antonio. But, you know, it's worth talking about because I mean he will be a free agent on next summer and you know I I don't think and as much as we can talk about you know we can say well Steph Curry's the maybe currently the well you know prior to his injury the best player in the NBA or or or, or we can say Kevin Durant is the best player I mean when it comes to superstar status and skill there's nobody bigger in basketball than is LeBron James. So when you think back to a couple of summers ago and where will LeBron James go and all of that, and he ultimately came back to Cleveland, it won't be that kind of affair, I think, as far as it relates to Kevin Durant in terms of all the pomps and pomp and circumstance and and all of that. And, and, and Kevin Durant, I mean, you know, Kevin Durant in all fairness is more of a much, I mean, he's a, he's a, quiet guy you know Um, so we definitely won't see all of that but it's worth asking where in fact will Kevin Durant be on next season will he come back to OKC I think a lot of that probably depends on how OKC finishes the season I mean if they lose this series to San Antonio I mean I I, I just I don't think so Um, you know if if, if they win an NBA championship, I think maybe there's a good possibility that he could come back. Although on the reverse side of that, he may say, well, I've won my NBA championship in OKC. I may want to go somewhere else because, I mean, in essence, you know, with the signing of his, his initial rookie contract and then, um, you know, re-upping, you know, he's he's been locked into this contract and, and – so now maybe, or, or with the same organization, again, this was an organization that was the Seattle Supersonics before they moved to OKC. So, you know, does he want a change of scenery? Um, you know, o- the OKC, me- OKC media, when you go back some couple of years, hadn't, you know, hadn't been very nice to, you know, Kevin Durant. Does he remember that type of stuff? Does that go into his thought process when – thinking about moving on you know a couple of the teams that have been in play and and especially more recently and a bit of a surprise to me Golden State and San Antonio I mean as loaded as Golden State is 
you know, Kevin Durant coming there, I mean, you know, what 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 sense? Even though that that's there's been some talk there. My thing is, I mean, what, I mean, why? I mean, if you're Kevin Durant, I mean, I know he's not worried about the shots and all that. He's going to be able to contribute. Um, you know, he's going to be the you know the the co go to guy or or whatever with Steph Curry there. But I mean, with all that Golden State has, I mean, do you really need Kevin Durant? Does Kevin Durant want to come to Golden State? I mean, it you know, and it doesn't assure you that you'll win an NBA championship. I mean, it you know certainly it helps when you have two of the top five players on one team. Um, right now you got two of the top five players on one team with Durant and Westbrook, although this is a little bit different because there's a much this is much more of a team. And so with that, from a Golden State standpoint, does it break up the chemistry that Golden State now has as a true team? Meaning, yes, you have your superstar in Steph Curry and you have uh Maybe the next tier down in Draymond Green, and I don't even want to say down because, again, I think he's a valuable player. You take him off that team, they don't win. You know, they they don't win the championship. Um, you know, Clay Thompson and you know Iguodala and you know Harrison Barnes, a nice role player, and you know Bogut. So this is a really good team. If you're Golden State, do you want Kevin Durant as part of that team? We already have a really good team. And, again, you could be looking forward because, you know, there, and I don't have it in front of me in, some of, in terms of some of the free agency with Golden State after this season is over. And certainly in the future you may be looking forward to that. And Kevin Durant, still young, still has a lot left in the tank. You could be looking past next year. And, if you're again, if you're Kevin Durant, don't you want to build a legacy – of being able to win an NBA championship by going to an organization that quote-unquote needs you. Golden State doesn't need Kevin Durant at all. And if you're Kevin Durant, do you want to go there where you, in essence, you would win a championship, but it, it, it you know, more than likely, it's not guaranteed, but it's not one of those deals where, you know, you went somewhere that had a lot less talent that was less of a team where you became the face of that franchise, the star, and you helped them to build a championship. Now, you know, that's one thing with Golden State. The other idea is with San Antonio, which, I mean, you know, when I look at San Antonio, you you have the big three there getting up in age, Kawhi Leonard, is, I mean, boy, he's just a phenomenal all-around player. Maybe, I mean, along with Draymond Green, maybe the best all-around players that we have. And I would argue that um, Kawhi is, you know, he's 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 more of a defensive presence, even more so than Green is, which would make him put him above Green in my estimation. But you know, I mean. Do we know if Tim Duncan is coming back? And I just think, I mean, I don't, I don't think any of that matters. And then, so even let's take Tim Duncan out of the mix. Um, let's just say Tim Duncan doesn't come back. Does it make sense for Kevin Durant to now then come to San Antonio? Yes, they play different positions. I mean, you could, you know, potentially move KD. I mean, I guess not moving, but KD could potentially play 
you know, play play a four. You know, uh, uh, you know, I, I mean, I I don't I don't I don't know. I mean, you know, he I don't, I don't know if that's a good fit there either. You know, if I'm KD, I want to go to a team where the team really needs me. You know, in, in a manner of speaking, and then we can build some pieces around, and then I make that team in the in the first year an automatic contender. I mean, look. You know, I mean, I know it was a little bit different, but I mean, LeBron in Cleveland. I mean, Cleveland was just, I mean, just awful. And then he comes there, best player, you know, star on, you know, star player, best player on the planet. He comes there. Um, Kyrie Irving is already there, and then they bring in um, Kevin Love and some other pieces. You know, you you go out and get Shumpert, and you go out, of course, and get uh, 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 you get J.R. Smith. You know, but. If I'm if I'm Kevin Durant, do I want to go to San Antonio when they already have a really good team? Uh, you know, you know, and and those are some of the questions, obviously, that you know, KD is going to have to ask himself. I think, you know, and then there's also the other option, perhaps, of doing, I guess, maybe a two year deal to stay in OKC with an opt out. After one year, but it, but if you're OKC, do you? I think if you're OKC, you're going to do that deal because that gives you one more year at least with Durant and Westbrook. And you know maybe they need another more consistent piece. They have some good pieces: Cantor, Adams, Ibaka. Sometimes not as consistent as you would like for those guys to be. Maybe perhaps a deeper bench. It, it you know, Billy Donovan would have been. Uh, out of his first year uh, and had a lot more experience as an NBA coach, that may make some sense as well. Or do you go to somewhere like L.A.? Do you go to New York? Do you come back home to Washington where they have a star in, in John Wall, who, by the way, had surgeries, surgery on his knees? It's not clear as to whether he'll be back in time for game, or for training camp. He's expected to be back prior to the start of the season. And, and then, of course, Washington with the dynamic of Beal, are you going to re-sign him? He's a restricted free agent. So depending upon what other offers are made, they can match any of those offers. So a lot of different things in play here for Kevin, Dur- uh, Kevin Durant, who is still in the midst uh, of a series. But I think it's an interesting discussion. Um, should Durant go to a, an established team where certainly if he – comes to that team more than likely they're going to win an NBA championship barring injuries you have to always factor those things and any anything unforeseen I mean just on paper you would have to say it but that's why they play the game or does Kevin Durant or should he go to a team that needs him a little bit more and then help to propel that team and and that be if 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 he were to win an NBA championship it would be truly a Kevin Durant team your thoughts hit me up via twitter at botch to row b-o-x-t-o-r-o-w or on facebook b-o-x the number two r-o-w we'll get to those uh, to your responses on next week because my time is about up i thank you for yours thank you to daryl walker for joining us today here on from the press box to press row for more information on the show log on to our website at box and always remember to support those that support Yo, from the press box to press row is presented by DW Communications. Don't cry, mama. Baby boy, weather the storm. And 
know it's been tough bearing the pain since daddy's been gone, but all in all, you still stood tall and never shed a tear. I'm thanking God you're still here, cause only heaven knows all my heartaches and setbacks. Going from a high school dropout to Chevrolet wet wax, and I'm never gonna forget that. Look in your eyes when you told me that my grandfather died. It was like nothing had happened. And I'm knowing that you're missing, but to accept death is just a sign of a good Christian. And I've listened to your words, and I've lived it in life. And I take it step by step, but I take it in Christ. Taking it Christ. Knowing I can't make it alone. You told me not to buy your new house because in heaven's your home. And as hurt as I was, I had to smile with you. Thank God that we crossed paths to one strong sister.